And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines in simple keywords with Adam joining us on the line. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy hump day to you. <laughs> the halfway point we've reached it. It feels nice despite uh, the does. murky weather. <laughs> you know, I was quite surprised because I was uh, yesterday I was driving past uh, that ISIL U logo and I thought, uh, is that still a thing? <laughs> and then you just mentioned it this morning and I was a bit surprised. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um... I remember when they came up with that and it was ridiculed. And uh, yeah, I think it still is. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, after years of being around and ridiculed by some of the clever minds of Korea, people came up with really interesting ways to change ISOLU to mean whatever mm. it meant for them. Like rent is affordable. That is ISOLU. Uh, living <laughs> expenses are high. That means ISOLU. So people got really fun. They had fun and got really clever. But yeah, apparently we're but it re- needs to change. I think. Do you think so? <laughs> I remember. I remember when I first uh, encountered the change because I was reporting on the issue, and uh, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing because there was a lot of foreign outlet news outlets as well that kind of uh, made fun of it. But as you said, yes, we have gotten used to it, and I think everyone's kind of finding ways to. Uh, to kind of translate it into <laughs> their own daily lives or their own ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's always good to have a fresh start of uh, new things. Do you, you, know do what you the think funniest... so? Because I, I, th- I think the thing about branding is that you need to kind of commit to one idea for a long enough duration for people to remember it. And I've gotten uh, used to and acclimated to it. Why change now is my humble opinion. I, I don't know. No. I've never really got used to it. <laughs> I mean, to be their own, of course. But uh, yeah. <laughs> There's, I heard one one fun one that could be a one is a do re mi fa sol. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's actually one of the finer ones. Did you see yeah. my my examples are just horrendous? I don't, okay, I don't remember where it was, but okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Finding your soul was another good one. Finding just to put some out there. Yes. Or find your soul. Soul rather. searching. Yeah. Soul searching. There okay. we go. Just throwing out ideas. We're, we're putting in some, you know, input for <laughs> the soul mayor, if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those changes are to be implemented. And so we'll talk about it in detail, what lies ahead for Soul City and the fate of I Soul You coming up in our social media minute. I don't know why I went so deep into that. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> You're very invested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's turn our attention to the keyword news portion. This is our first keyword of the day. Union Spain. President Yoon Sung-yeol has kicked off this busy diplomatic schedule, starting with a summit with his Australian counterpart ahead of the NATO summit. What's the latest? Yeah, so, of course, he's on this uh, diplomatic stage. He's debuting on this multilateral uh, stage as well. Uh, And he kicked off with a meeting with Anthony Albanese, uh, and they shared their commitment to defending democratic values and expanding cooperation on energy, North Korea and other issues as well. They also explored ways to upgrade their comprehensive strategic partnership and they also agreed to strengthen communication uh, in setting up their respective Indo-Pacific strategies as well as their relations with China. South Korea and Australia are not members of this uh, NATO alliance but they were invited as partner nations. Um, Albany has also said he hopes that South Korea and Australia will strengthen cooperation with ASEAN and participate actively in regional issues as well. Uh, The two leaders also discussed expanded cooperation on energy, uh, advanced materials and rare mineral, uh, mineral rather, supply chains and climate change. 
Um, in particular, you express hope for South Korean businesses' participation in the green hydrogen sector. That's mm. where Australia is actually a strong player. Mm. Um, the two leaders, of course, discussed North Korea's nuclear weapons program as well. Uh, Australia promised to continue. Uh, it's uh, what he, it's been claiming is strong and strict enforcement of sanctions on the regime. Um, Yoon also requested Australia's support for South Korea's bid to host the 2030 World Expo in Busan as well. And Albanese replied he would make, quote, appropriate considerations. Um, Yoon will take part in at least 14 diplomatic events uh, during his five-day stay in Spain. A very busy schedule ahead. Uh, and he also attended a gala dinner that was hosted by King Philip VI, uh, mm. along with his wife and first lady. Mm. Uh, on Wednesday, Yoon will meet with the leaders of the Netherlands, Poland and Denmark and take part in a trilateral summit uh, between the US and Japan. Of course, that is where a lot of attention and eyes will be on. Mm. Um, the president and the first lady will also attend a dinner with Korean residents in Spain on Wednesday as well. And this just in, Yoon has also been confirmed to hold a four-way meeting with the leaders of Japan, Australia and New Zealand. So that will mean a second meeting with the leader of Japan as right, well. But right. still no one-on-one -on -one scheduled between uh, Yoon and Fumio Kishida. All right, we'll have to wait and see what comes out of that uh, quad meeting and the trilateral meeting. A lot of attention is being paid as to what's to be said. It's been a while since the last trilateral meeting between um, South Korea, U.S. and Japanese counterparts. All right, let's turn our attention to our weather-related second keyword of the day. Radio silence. So with the summer monsoon season in full swing, the South Korean government has asked North Korea to send notice if it does in fact plan to discharge flood water from dams near the border. But the regime is said to be unresponsive. Yeah, so this is kind of an issue that's brought up every monsoon season between the two Koreas. Of course, uh, th this is because of a kind of a deadly incident that happened. So there needs to be there was an agreement of some communication of whether any flood water will be released by the North. Uh, now, the Unification Ministry tried to send a letter uh, to the North asking for the notification. This is to prevent, of course, damage to people or property in the area, something that has happened in years past. Mm. Uh, the Ministry said a verbal request regarding the Hwangang Dam on the Imjin River was made, actually, via a military communication line earlier in the day. Uh, the ministry earlier sought to deliver the request through the inter-Korean liaison office channels, but the North did not respond. A telephone call later in the day got through, but the North did not say whether it would grant the request. Now, a senior ministry official said the communication failure was presumed to be caused by a technical error, possibly due to the uh, heavy rains. Now, speculation is mounting that the North could soon discharge water uh, from this Hwangang Dam due to the ongoing torrential rain. Mm. Um, according to the Interior Ministry, water levels at Pearson Bridge over the Imgang, uh, Imjin rather, River has risen to uh, just over, or just under rather, four metres as of 1.20pm Tuesday. Mm. Um, now, this inter-Korean agreement on the notification of the release of water from these dams was actually uh reached in october 2009 um that was because of a deadly accident that killed six south koreans uh, after the north discharged water without uh notice but especially now with these frayed ties and frosty ties between the new uh, two careers under 
the new administration here. Um, it seems like uh, any communication, in not just military, but uh, even with these kind of issues, mm. is kind of deteriorating. Mm. We'll have to keep our close eye on that issue as well. Let's turn our attention mm. to our third keyword of the day. Delaying jail. Prosecutors have suspended former President Im Young-bak's prison sentence for three months on grounds of ill health. Uh, what's the latest? Mm. Right, so uh, uh, Suwon prosecutors decided to release E from the Anyang Correctional Facility after he requested a suspension uh, of his sentence earlier this month due to his deteriorating health. Uh, so these prosecutors deemed E to be physically unfit to be in jail. Uh, he has been in jail uh, since November 2020 for corruption after the Supreme Court upheld uh, a 17-year sentence given by a lower court. Mm. Um, after being held at a Seoul detention centre, he was moved to a prison in Anyang due to COVID outbreaks. Uh, while he was in jail, he had been admitted to hospital several times because of his health. Mm. Uh, his last request for a stay of sentence filed in December 2020 over COVID-19 concerns was actually dismissed. Um, he is actually currently in hospital and being treated for chronic illnesses and diabetes with a date of discharge uncertain. Now, under law, the execution of sentences can be suspended if the convicted individual is in poor health such as if they are unable to communicate. Mm -hmm. Now, only a presidential pardon would enable E to be released fully. This has been an ongoing debate ever since uh, the last kind of few months uh, and weeks of the Moon Jae-in administration. Mm -hmm. Will he or won't he pardon? But he mm -hmm. eventually didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but whether a pardon will come, will remain to, uh, is remaining, uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, there is speculation that he could be on the list of possible recipients of a pardon Uh, in a national holiday in August. Right. So we'll have to see until then, in two months' time. All right, and on to our fourth keyword of the day. Minimum wage. A heated debate over next year's minimum wage between management and labor continues, and there are still no agreements reached. Um, can mm. it be reached in a timely fashion? That's also always a question. What's the latest? Yeah, minimum wage, always a sticky subject, isn't it, between labor and management uh, and the government as well. Sure. Uh, both sides uh, have already passed kind of the legal deadline to reach an agreement. It was midnight uh, and they've decided to continue discussions. How long remains to be seen. Uh, they have also submitted revised proposals uh, for next year's hourly rate as well. And while labor has requested a 19% increase to... Uh, 10,891 hourly rates. Businesses are demanding kind of a freeze at 9,160. Uh, members of Korea's two umbrella labor groups, they've been holding a rally in front of the government complex in Sejong, where the, uh, the talks were taking place to, of course, declare their campaign to seek an increase in the minimum wage. And now, Finance Minister Chu Kyung ho he has voiced concerns over the potential repercussions of excessive wage hikes within the corporate sector. So it seems like the government is kind of siding a bit more towards the management mm -hmm. in terms of uh, any rate hikes or, or minimum wage hikes, rather, excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, now, during a meeting with the Korea Enterprises Federation, he said high wages increases uh, could serve to accelerate inflation. Of course, the government mm -hmm. is trying to 
wrap his head around uh, trying to tackle inflation, which right. is skyrocketing recently. And he also touched upon its impact on further widening the wage gap among workers in general as well. Uh, now, while stressing that wages should be negotiated between the company and its workers, the minister asked that under the current economic situation, wages should be raised at a rate in line with productivity increases. And he mm. asked businesses to actively participate in the lowering of uh, consumer prices as well. So, of course, mm. the government's stuck in the middle mm. with this balancing act. But, of course, yes, inflation has been rising mm. uh, a bit too much recently. So, right. basically, the government's wary of that. All right, which brings us to our next big question of tackling uh, skyrocketing fuel prices. This is our last keyword of the day. Russian energy prices. So G7 leaders agree to explore ways to cap the price of Russian oil and gas as their economies grapple with soaring inflation fueled by skyrocketing energy prices. They can't stop Russia from exporting. In fact, we need to rely on it, which means putting a price cap on it might keep Russia at bay and at the same time alleviate these prices. So what's the latest? Yeah, so this is uh, basically a broad kind of agreement. Yeah. There's no any details that were laid out. Uh, so the G7 members now basically have further work to do in terms of the technical options of how to deliver on that kind of uh, far-reaching agreement. And German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said it is a very ambitious and demanding project. And he also recognized there is a lot of work uh, to be done. Now, the agreement, which was reached in the early hours of the third day of the G7 summit, the last day, follows a kind of growing frustration among Western countries that their embargoes on Russian oil uh, have had the kind of counterproductive effect of driving up the global crude price. And this has led to a situation, actually, where Moscow ends up earning more money uh, for its war chest. And it is kind of unclear who would participate uh, as well and whether it could be extended to other producers with France mm. believed to be pushing for the cap to apply to others as well. Mm. Um, the G7 leaders also called on producers to kind of step up production to provide some relief uh, on the market as well. So no details yet. We'll have to see. OPEC Plus has made promises, but I'm not quite seeing uh, the immediate mm. relief that was promised. Uh, there's no yeah. timeline on that either. A lot does hang in the balance. Um, the G7 summit just wrapped up. What else was agreed? Right. So in relation to Russian sanctions, G7 will explore further measures to prevent for, uh, Russia from profiting from its war of aggression uh, and also reduce reliance on civil, nuclear and related goods from Russia as well. Uh, and uh, they'll also invite like-minded countries to consider joining their actions. For energy, they'll explore measures to reduce price surges and prevent further impact on economies, and they'll commit to end a new direct public support for international unabated fossil fuel energy sector by the end of 2020, uh, and they'll commit to achieve a fully or predominantly decarbonized power sector by 2035, uh, the G7 also vowed to commit to an additional $4.5 billion to protect the most vulnerable uh, countries from hunger and malnutrition, uh, amounting to a total of $14 billion plus uh, as a joint commitment to global food security this year, basically trying to wipe away poverty. They also aim to establish a climate club to support the effective implementation of the Paris Climate Agreement by accelerating climate action uh, and increasing ambition as well. All right. Given the nature of these meetings, they're always a little bit vague, but it's a start to yeah. a conversation, right? The idea is it's supposed right. to trickle down to lower parts of government mm -hmm. and we can put it into policy. 
Precisely. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam, for this morning's coverage. Stay dry. We'll see you tomorrow. You too. Stay dry. <laughs> see you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.